Amen. I'd like to say thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. God is good. Amen. Amen. Such a wonderful time to, to be here on this last Sunday of 2021. Is that an amen or a, oh no? <laughs> We're hoping 2022 is better, huh? Regardless of what the year brings us, we know our God is good. We know we can trust in Him for all of our hope and all of the life that we need in this world. And, and coming up on this last day of 2021, I, I wanted us to take a few moments this morning um, before we begin a study in the book of John for the next several couple months <laughs> till Easter. We're going to be looking in the book of Second Peter this morning. And I, I wanted us to look at a hope that we have in a new day. I think no doubt many of us like times when they are refreshed. You have a new day. With the new day coming up this coming year, this coming week for 2022, we, we often have hope in times like this. We have hope that everything's going to be better. No doubt most of us in here are already planning to be healthier this year. We're going to eat better and work out every day. Amen. I feel terrible after this past week. I got to be honest with you, church. <laughs> I have sinned. I have sinned. But with the new year coming up, I, I want us to focus on a day that's even better than January 1, 2022. Unless Jesus comes back on that day, of course. There is a day that you and I have reason to be hopeful for today, to have joy today, to, to be able to go from this place, not just as people who went to church and fulfilled some kind of social obligation, but rather we went to church to glorify the Lamb, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and then we go from this place with a sincere desire to advance the gospel wherever we go. God is calling us to be active today, church. And I know it's a holiday Sunday. I see the numbers are down a little bit. But all that aside, I believe God placed you in a seat today to hear this word. It's not Daniel's word. It's not FBC McLeod's word. It is the word of God. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. Peter's writing this, this passage to a group of believers who needed to hear this, and I need to hear this today. I need to be reminded of the day of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 1, it says, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following with their own sinful desires. They will say, where is this promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God. Bookmark that for next week, church. Verse 6, And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Lord, we love your word. Today, God, I'm encouraged in my walk, in my faith, because of what is to come. Lord, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the the coming of Messiah. Lord, we anticipate eagerly that second coming when he returns for his bride, the church. Lord, we are the church today, not because of our good works, but we are the church because of a good and gracious God who saw fit to bestow mercy upon us. Thank you, Lord, for doing that in your name. Amen. We see in this a promise of a new day. I I feel like sometimes I need a promise of a new day. We've already made joke, but January 1st or 2nd, or maybe January the 7th or 8th, we're going to start living healthier lives. <laughs> it's just kind of how it is. We Every year it comes around and we're just going to do better this year. We're going to be better. We're going to be better. Spiritually speaking, I, I, I feel like today is a new day for us as we read the scripture. That we should be a people who live in anticipation of Christ returning. We have a reason to be joyful today, church. We have a reason to be happy that goes far beyond Christmas trees and presents and meals And fudge. Oh, fudge. I love it. Cherry pies and meals. It goes beyond all of this, doesn't it? It goes beyond all of this. We we have so much more to be be joyful for today. I've so enjoyed worshiping with you guys during this Advent season. Candlelight services. Advent services. Services where we Take kids to college to bless other kids who are in college. Going around and singing carols to folks that need to be encouraged. Taking food to people that need food this season. This church has been so great about showing the love of Jesus. And as workers within the church, I want to encourage you. I I want to invest in you this day these words to take heart, to be hopeful in the the day that is to come, amen? And the the promise of a new day, church, what I want us to hear today is that the promise of a new day, it it changes the life of the believer. It it helps us to look at the world in a different way. This place isn't all that bad when we understand that one day it's going to burn up anyways. The judgment will come upon this place. We, We can seek to gain the whole world and lose our soul, but when we know Christ, we gain everything. I, I don't have all the things that I think probably in my mind sometimes I think I ought to have. 
You know, that, that perfect car, that perfect house. Maybe, maybe these aren't things that, that's, uh, you know, we, we have at times. Have you guys ever had plumbing problems at your house? I did this week with a house full of company coming. Oh, joy. <laughs> the Lord worked it out, at least temporarily. We, we have all these problems that we go through in this life, and, and, and we can put our hope in that, or we can put our hope in the God of creation. Truly, he's the one that's a better bet. Don't you agree? And when we think about that coming day, that new day that is coming, it, it helps us to look at things way differently. Even, even pipes that don't want to drain right. It helps us, helps us to look at it. I'm so blessed this week to sit in the living room with my family and just enjoy company with each other. To open presence. To remember who Christ is. I'm, I'm thankful for a family who knows Christ. I'm thankful for a, a daughter who's, who married a guy who loves Jesus. Amen. I think as a dad, you can, you know, if you're a dad out there today, you, you can probably relate to this, that there's no guy that's really good enough for your daughter. I tried not to like my son-in-law. I really did. I tried not to like him. But I'm so thankful that God is good. Bless me with a good son-in-law. And today they're serving right alongside me, but it's in a different location. Our answer is found the first point I want us to look at today, we, we have an answer for the world. Because th- there's a question that's being asked that was asked then. Uh, Peter was getting the question asked to him. The, the church, the early church, the first century church, they were getting asked this question. And you and I are being asked this question today. Is when is Jesus coming back? When is it happening? When is this new day that you speak of? And we do have an answer. And that first point I want us to look at this morning is our answer is found by faith in the all-knowing God. That's our answer. Some people want to say, well, when's Jesus coming back? I can remember back in the 90s, we were going to war. You guys remember this? Back in the early 90s, there was a guy by the name of Saddam Hussein. He was wreaking havoc in the Middle East. And so we decided we was going to go to war. And I'll never forget going to church and us praying for our soldiers. We, we had guys in our church who were actually being deployed. We had one fellow in our church who was going, at the very moment we were praying, he was being uh, deployed by parachute behind enemy lines because he was a ranger. And we were praying for him. You guys remember how cool it was to turn on CNN? And, and you could watch the live reports of the war, the bombs, and all of this going on. I, I remember going back to that time in my life, and I remember a whole lot of preachers saying this, well, Saddam Hussein is the Antichrist. Kind of interesting. I, last I heard, Saddam Hussein is now dead. My hope wasn't in the United States of America. I, I, maybe if he was the Antichrist, was, were we as America going to be the saviors to the world by killing this Antichrist? We know how that turns out in Scripture, right? It's God who defeats the Antichrist. Our hope is not in military or politics. Our hope is in the Lord the God of creation, the, the all-knowing God. When you, when you read that verse, that it rings such beauty in my ears that one day is as a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is as one day. What does that mean when you think about the, the meaning of that? Well, this speaks to me of a God that I can trust in, that all things, all time, everything that exists, it's equally near and present to God at the very same time. You guys remember what it was like to be a kid? Christmas morning? <laughs> Some of y'all are saying no. Don't say no. <laughs> 
I, I, I kind of remember what it was like to be a kid. I remember, you know, waking up Christmas morning, getting my Red Rider uh, BB gun, you know. Pretty much, if you watch Christmas Story, that was Daniel's childhood. Monologue and everything going on in my head. It's still happening, I guess. But whenever you were a kid, you know, can you imagine knowing what you know now and knowing what was going on then all at the same time? This is our God. His, his, he doesn't change with time. Time doesn't change him. Are you, are you different than you were 20 years ago? You look differently, don't you? I look in the mirror someday. I'm like, what happened, man? You were, what, what is going on with you? What's, what's all this gray? What, what is that? That changes. That's, that's not what I expected when I was, you know, 16 years old at church camp trying to sneak out at night, Bruce. You know, that's not those times that was different than it is now. Time has changed, Daniel, but time does not change God. And so when we think about a, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day, I don't want you to think about it in some kind of, you know, well, that's just, that's just talking good about God. No, it's describing Point blank who God is. Time does not change him. That's how powerful that he is. Our, our time, it affects us. It changes us over time. We, we become different people. I'm not the same person I was when I was 16. Kind of the beauty in, in being married to Joni for 22 years is we've changed a lot in 22 years. Thankfully, good in most ways, right? But, but what I find in my wife is that I'm, I'm constantly getting to know her more because she's changing as, as I'm changing, right? Guys, that frustrates, frustrates us, I know. <laughs> Who can understand a woman? I'm not sure. But there's beauty in that. And there's beauty in knowing that God, check this out, he never changes. He's always the same. There's, there's no change in him. He's always the same. All time is equally powerless with God. Time affects us. Time does not affect God. So we talk about a new day coming. I don't want you to think that all this stuff that's going on in the world right now is affecting God and, and changing his mind. He, God is righteous in all his ways. He's the same as he was 2,000 years ago. He's the same as he was at creation. He's the same as he was a, an eternity ago. He's always been the same. And so when we think about trusting in God that that, that point, our answer is found by faith in an all-knowing God. I don't want you to think, of, well, God's, you know, he's good because he's learned stuff over the years and now, you know, he's kind of worked stuff out. And so I can trust him because he's been around a while. No, God has never changed. That's how sure he is. And that is our answer to the world is to point people to this one loving God. How do we get to God? Through Jesus, right? How do people understand who Jesus is? By work of the Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity at work there in the advancement of the gospel. That's, that's what we're looking at today. That new day that's coming. Hey, in the meantime, we need to be trusting in God. And I believe I find more joy in that day that's coming if I trust in God than if I don't. Because otherwise, if I'm not trusting in God, I'm living a life that's not very good. I'm, I'm, I'm walking away from a life that God has intended for me. Guys, we place a lot of stock in this present age. When in fact, it's all beginning to dissolve. Now there in verses 10 and 11, it talks about the world you know, burning and dissolving. How do you guys like that language? It's kind of gory, right? The world burning and dissolving. Things changing. Well, actually all that's happening right now, if you look at the original 
Greek there. It's actually, it means it's happening right now. It's not going to be dissolved. It's not a great translation there. It's actually saying it's being dissolved right now. The life that you love and that you cling to is already dissolving. I think if we think about time, we, we know that, don't we? It's already changing. You know, it's already, it's already going by the wayside. I've, I've got a two-year-old and just a, it seems like a couple weeks ago, he was just a baby. I've got a 16-year-old. It seems like just a, a few weeks ago, you know, we were, we were playing soccer and being undefeated on that soccer team, Jet. Time changes, and it changes us, but it doesn't change God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can trust in Him. We can go to Him. Time is powerless against Him. But guys, God is that rock that we can stand upon. You know, we hear all these, these great verses out of Scripture. You know, we're equating Jesus to the rock. You guys heard that before? We're equating Jesus to the light. We're equating Jesus to the bread. All these things that we call Jesus, that Jesus called himself. Those are all relevant because he's all-knowing and all-powerful. You guys like bread? Anybody like bread? Okay. Nobody wants to admit it right now because you're like, Pastor, I'm sick of food right now. Or you're hungry and you're like, I don't want to think about food because I want to think about the sermon and then I'll think about food, which is good for you. I'm glad you're that person. All one of you, right? <laughs> but Jesus being bread of life, it's not just something that, well, he's the bread of life for now, and then you're going to have to find some more bread later. No, 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 no. He's the bread that always lasts, right? He's, he's that eternal drink that, that just satisfies your longings for all eternity. He's the rock that never washes away. He's the light that never goes out. He's the all-knowing God. And we know this this morning by this scripture that he is our answer. Our answer to the world is find God, trust God. Answer that call that you hear from God today. Quit putting so much stuff in the things of this world. Christ is returning. Let the church say amen. He is returning. Just as sure as the world is dissolving, God, Christ is returning. It's already happening. The things are in motion. Which leads us to our second point this morning. Our answer is also a standard of holiness. You guys don't hear this preached a lot today. You can probably go home and watch an online sermon from some preacher, and he's going to tell you how good a person you are, and that you know you you have value, and that you don't need to let negativity in your life, and all these things. We'll hear these types of sermons from a lot of preachers today. But I want to tell you something today that you may not like to hear, but I'm going to say it anyways, okay? Merry Christmas from your pastor. There is no one that's good. None of us. There's not one person who is good. I'm not good. You're not good. Luke Bryan got it wrong. There's no good people. Okay? There's not one good person in this world. I know we may use good. and You know, that's a good boy. <laughs> but when we're talking about righteousness, there's no one that's good. There's no one that's going to get to heaven on their own. Jesus said there's no one good. But one, Jesus and our answer is a standard of holiness. We, we need to quit looking at social media and the news and our neighbors as to what our level of goodness is going to be. Because our level of goodness is, is God. It's, it's him. It's not, well, if you go to church, you got like a checklist you do every week. I go to church, I tithe, I go to Sunday school, I shake the preacher's hand and say, man, that was a really good sermon. You know? Don't do that today, by the way. That's going to be weird. 
But we got these, these like, you know, these, these checklists that we go through. Well, like if I do this, 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 and this, and that, that's where I'm supposed to be. No, it's deeper than that. It's so much better than that. I like looking up on this stage, you know, and, and it seems like we just keep getting more, more and more people up here leading worship. How cool is that? You know, and I think this is a good picture of what the rest of the church needs to look like too. The, the Sunday schools and the nursery programs and all that, they need, it, it, it can work in the same way, right? How does that work? It's when people say, yes, Lord, and they're trusting in God and their standard is not what the rest of the world's saying. A lot of people like to go to church and just have everything provided for them. They want to have a comfortable experience where it's not too loud, not too soft. The porridge is not too hot, not too cold, right? The preacher is not too loud and not too soft. That's where they come to church and they want that instead of saying, God, I just want to do what you're calling me to. I'm so proud that this church, we've already exceeded our goal for Lottie Moon. Praise the Lord, amen? What a a blessing. We hit that like two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. It's already done. Like we're, We're already like there. But what I, what I tend to find is that when churches get there early, they just keep going too. That's, that's a good heart, right? But our missionaries we've been watching on video, they, they were people just like you who just said, yes, Lord. Our people who serve in the nursery on Sunday mornings, they're people who are just saying, yes, Lord. Your worship team, your pastor, you guys really think I'm that special? <laughs> it's when God works through us. The, the God of creation, the God that we said in the first point, he's the, he's, we're all answers come from. But we as the church need to understand that being holy, being as God is important. The standard is not what the world's throwing before us. The standard is God. Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist, he said a true love of God must begin with a delight in his holiness. I'm going to say that again, okay? It's so good. I've been thinking about this all week. A true love of God must begin with a delight in his holiness and not with a delight in any other attribute. For no other attribute is truly lovely without this. If you don't really understand who God is, it's really hard to follow him. It's really hard to know who he is. I think a lot of people come to Jesus because it's some social thing. Everybody else has been saved, so I better go do it too. I believe that true conversion happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and convicts you of your sin. He, he regenerates your mind to see your need for a Savior. It's not something you do. Remember, we're not good. Amen? We never reach a point where we're just like, well, I, I got a little bit of goodness in me, so I better, I better get right with Jesus. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit convicts you. The Holy Spirit allows you to see the truth. It's not your own. If, if, if the Holy Spirit didn't intervene, you would just dance right into hell. That's, that's Scripture. But when the Holy Spirit regenerates us and allows us to see the truth of the matter here, that we need Him, then we begin to live a life. And holiness is something that's beautiful to us. The world hates holiness. Why is that? John 3.19 says that, that light had come into the world and that people love the darkness more than the light. The reason they love the darkness is because it hides all of their flaws, all of their sin. And they don't like the light because it illuminates their sin. I have people that I know right now who in the past professed to love Jesus. But today they're living in sin. And you know what? They're uncomfortable around church. Sometimes they're uncomfortable even around me because the light that shines through the church, through me, it makes them ashamed of their own sin. My heart hurts for them. My heart hurts for them that that they, they struggle with this. When, when all, the, all along we know that, that Jesus, 
he's calling people back, right? He's calling people back. He, he says, just change your standard. Our standard is holiness. And it's not just a worldly holiness, but it's the holiness of God. We must be a people who see that beauty in the holiness. We need to be a people who are, who are thankful today that God regenerated our minds so that we could be saved. So holiness, what you say, what you do, how you act, how you think, it's important. Does everybody hear that? It's important. I'm not saying that works save you, but I'm saying if you're saved, you need to have some good works. This church will continue to grow when the body continues to give to the Lord. That's the truth. You're not going to grow because you get a new pastor, get a new youth pastor, get a new worship pastor, get a new TV, <laughs> whatever. Get a beautiful Christmas tree on stage. Man, everybody will come to Christmas services if we have a beautiful Christmas tree. Our minds kind of think that way, don't they? Hey, if we make sure the church is all clean and the air conditioner is nice and perfect, if we sweep the walk, if we do all these things, then we're going to be glorifying God. The way that we glorify God is with our hearts. We know that Scripture teaches us that God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Which, by the way, music is not a style. Worship is not a style. We just worship with our hearts. If somebody gets up here with a cigar box and a bunch of strings and picks, you ought to be able to worship the Lord. Can I have an amen? Okay, that was kind of weak, but okay. All right. Worship is not a style. It, it's, it's from our hearts. Why? Because our standard is different than the rest of the world. We're not saying, well, I want to be like this person. I want to be like my neighbor. You know, they, 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 they do all the right things and, and people look at them as a good old boy or a good old girl. I want to be like that person. No, we look to God and say, God, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. And, and really that's fulfilling this biblical mandate. Who did God create us in the image of? Himself, right? And then we tainted it with sin. We, we threw sin all over it and just said, ha, take that, God. This past week, I spent a whole lot of money on a John Deere tractor. Not for myself. For my two-year-old. It's really cool. Has a trailer. Has a radio. It's a nicer tractor than I've ever owned. I'll be honest with you. I bought this tractor for Jaron, and we open it, you know, we roll it in there. Jet drives it in. It's really cool. And we're having him out in the yard, and he's just playing, having a good old time. You know, he's riding around. And I turn my back for like two, two thousandths of a second, maybe. Really fast. I look around, and he's in the middle of the dog's water bucket. It frustrated me so much. I'm like, you've got your like your your perfect, you know, believe or whatever his he had with those those uh theme pajamas, you know, with the uh you know, really Christmassy looking pajamas. And he, he's, he's, he's enjoying this day. He's got his new present. He's outdoors. It's 90 degrees in our wonderful Oklahoma climate, you know. It's just a wonderful day. And I turn around, and there he is in a bucket of dog water. What are you doing? I pull him out, take him in, strip him down. My dog water covered son. But you know how many times does God give us a perfect life, a good life, and we're too busy getting off in the dog water? Why is that? Why, why did, why did Jaron do that? Well, he's two years old, right? I have to remember that sometimes he's two years old. 
If Jet goes and does that, I probably need to beat him, okay? I mean, <laughs> why would you do that, Jet? <laughs> I don't know. But he doesn't know any better. And here's the thing. Here's what we need to understand today. Is that the world is acting the way it does is because it doesn't know any better. They're depraved in their thinking. They're controlled by sin. And guys, honestly, if it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be doing the same thing. We don't have any room to judge. What we do have room to do is to love because our answer is in a standard of holiness and that holiness is God. And today, may that be what we base our lives on. Don't be good because the pastor's around. I love it when I'm in like company of people outside the church and somebody will you know, say a wordy dirt. Sorry, preacher. <laughs> it's like, why are you apologizing to me? You need, you need to talk to Jesus. Why are you apologizing to me? That, that doesn't make any sense. No, we, we behave in a godly and holy manner because that pleases God. That's what God wants. God is holy, so be ye holy. That's what our call is today. Our answer to the world is not being like them. Our answer to the world is showing them who God is. Amen. The last point I want us to look at this morning, our answer to this question that the world has, our answer creates lives spent in constant expectation. Now think about this for a moment. When was the last time you woke up in the morning excited that today might be the day that Jesus comes back? Now I know everybody's got these, you know, different viewpoints of end times. And I think the church loses a lot of steam in our advancement of the gospel because we argue things like this. Are you post-trib? Are you mid-trib? What, you know, what are you? Here's what we all can agree on. Jesus is coming back. We ought to be excited about that. We ought to be excited about that. If we believe that God is that all-knowing God and that our answer is in Him, if we believe that our answer is to live a life of holiness, to bring glory to God, if we believe that, then our answer also creates a life within us in which we are spent in constant expectation. Guys, Jesus may come back today. He may come back right now. I may not finish this sentence. I might go my whole life. The Lord may come and get me before he comes to get his church. But my whole life ought to be spent in expectation that Jesus is coming back. Now, why is that? People had that question. They're like, hey, you've been saying this for a while now, which by the way, this is Peter talking. Peter was that first century church time period, okay? Jesus hadn't been gone but a few decades at this point. And people were already asking, well, where's Jesus at? Where'd he go? When's he coming back? Peter's just like, hey, you need to trust in God. Quit looking at the signs. Quit going to prophetic teachers. What you need to do is just trust in God because here is the point. Again, our answer is not found in the things of this world. It's not, it's not found in someone saying, this is the Antichrist and this is that. And, you know, they're, they're doing this in Israel. So now we need to get ready for Jesus to come back. Here's the thing. We know Jesus is coming back. Quit wasting your time on that stuff and just get to know God more. That's really the, the call here. We need to know God more. Because if we're saved, we're saved, right? Nothing's going to change that. You're not going to become less saved as the years go on. You're not going to be less blessed as the years go on. But what the world needs is the church to stand up and to live like true followers. Our answer is found in an all-knowing God. Our answer is a standard of holiness. We live differently. We live to please God. And finally, our answer creates a life that lives in constant expectation. Guys, are we expecting Jesus to come back today? And understand, I'm not saying we should walk around all scared. 
oh, Jesus may come back today. It's not like when your mom told you to clean your room and then you didn't. And then you were expecting him to come up there. And so you're hurry up and cleaning everything, right? And shoving everything under the bed like this. I, I saw that smile over there. I think she's, she must have done that before. <laughs> Jet loves the underside of his bed. There's all kinds of stuff under there. There's, there's archaeology things. No, there's not. He cleaned it. I'm just kidding. But the thing is, we live like that when it comes to Jesus, don't we? Well, he may be coming back today. When I say constant expectation, it's with joy. <laughs> Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming back. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of eating food and feeling miserable about it. Here's what I know about heaven. I know that it's a great feast, but I don't hear about us crashing on the couch and feeling miserable for two weeks after the feast. It's joy. It's complete joy. In church, Jesus is coming back. We need to be living in constant expectation, constant joy of his return. And if we understand who God is, and if we're aspiring to live to his standard, not the world's standard, but his standard, then we're going to have that constant expectation that he's coming back, that constant joy. We're going to have that in our lives. I, I hear it all the time. Maybe you probably heard it too. It's kind of a popular term in Oklahoma, but they call about the Oklahoma standard, right? You know, it's maybe education or maybe it's, you know, the oil and gas industry or you know, whatever. I, I hear this Oklahoma, you know, this Oklahoma standard. That's good. I'm glad that we have a standard here in Oklahoma, I suppose. But here's what you really need to understand today. Your standard's not what the governor may deem as a standard. Your standard is not what the president may deem as a standard. I mean, I, I look at the presidential, you know, office over the last 20 years, since I've been a kid, I haven't really seen anybody that I want to say, well, that's my standard, you know? There may be some good men that get in there and they do some good work, but that's not my standard. I don't want to be like that. I don't want that to be what how I get in heaven. Our standard is in God. And so that's what we're shooting for. This church, I don't want us to look around at other churches and say, well, this church is doing this, and this preacher says this. Our standard is God. That's what we're looking to is, is, is who he is. What, what is the will of God for this church? The will of God is that we bring glory to God. That's the will of God. That's the standard. So whether we're worshiping, whether we're listening to the preacher, whether we're out here loving in our community, whether we're teaching a class, it's all for the glory of God. And we're living a life in which holiness is important. No, we, it's important what we say, what we do. It's important that we look to God as the, the author and the finisher of our faith. And it's important that we have this expectation that, guys, Jesus is coming back. I'm so excited about that. What I love, uh, I got to meet Mr. Jeff today. It's a pleasure to meet him. We, we, our wives have awesome taste in boots, by the way. We have the same boots on today. I think we're going to start issuing them out for all the deacons. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. We're going to get you a pair, too. And Jesse, I see you back there. You like these. I know you do. So I want to get you a pair. These are going to be the, 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 the boots of our church, okay? <laughs> That's what we're going to be known as. <laughs> You'll know they are Christians by their boots. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not happening. But I love the fact that I get to worship with you guys. Uh, this is something I couldn't have orchestrated. You guys know that. It's not something you, you could have done. It's something God has done. That there's this, this beautiful work he's doing here. And so when we're thinking about what is the call, what is the game plan? Well, he ends it up there. Look there at the end of chapter 3. 
Peter ends, and if you look in your word, a lot of times it'll say something like final words. What I like to, to put there is the words game plan. Don't you think we need a game plan going into 2022? If we understand who God is, if we're trying to live better and, and to be as holy as we can, which we're not ever going to be perfect, I get it. But our standard is God, so that's what we're working towards. If we're living in constant expectation, now what do we do with that? What do we do with that mindset, that, that mentality, that mind of Christ? What do we do with it? Listen to these words. Therefore, beloved. I mean, he's not, he's not jumping on them saying, you idiots or anything like that. He says, beloved, right? Therefore, because of all of this, beloved, because the day of the Lord is coming, since you are awaiting for these, be diligent to be found by who? By him. Not living to any other standard. We're living to the standard of God without spot, without blemish, and at peace. It's good that we have holiness within us, but one thing we find a side effect of holiness is a life of peace. People around us are going to know that. They're, they're going to see something's different there. There's a peace that passes all understanding within us. Verse 15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him. This is a preacher jab, by the way. Peter's saying, you know, Paul's cool and all that, but that's just words that God gave him. It's not Paul's stuff. And Paul would have said, amen, brother. It's not my stuff. If you guys, if you get anything from me, it's not from me, it's from the Lord. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> As he does in all these letters, he speaks to them in these matters. There are some things, he says there, verse 16, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. You remember what I said earlier that we're arguing over, you know, like end time stuff? Do any of us really know what we're talking about when it comes to Revelation and the end times? Probably not. I know some people that understand a, a good deal. I've studied it my whole life. I have a what I believe is a good understanding of it. But that's the thing here. We need to be preaching the gospel. That's the important thing we need to be talking about. It, that's something we all agree on. You go to any other church here in town, we all preach being saved by the blood of Jesus. Or we should be. We argue over these silly things, and it says here that people that are unintelligent, people that don't, don't really know what they're talking about, they take that scripture and they twist it. He says, you therefore, beloved, he's talking to a church that has been taught well the word of God, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But do what? Everybody say game plan. Say it like you mean it, game plan. And I like it but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your goal is to grow. We're not to be the same. When we're sitting here a year from today, and I pray we're all here, plus a whole lot more people, <laughs> but you that are here this morning, maybe you that are listening later, when we're sitting in this place, what's it going to look like? Are we going to be different? I'm not just talking about you're going to be a year older, so yeah, I'm different. I got, I got more grades or whatever. But a year from now, spiritually speaking, are you going to be different? If we follow the game plan here, 
Peter tells him, tells the church to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever to the day of eternity. Amen. That's the game plan. If you understand who God is, if you, if, you, if you understand that he's the answer, if you understand that, that an answer of how we should live is found in imitating and looking like God as much as we can, then, then you're on the right track. And also we need to be excited about the soon return of Jesus. Are you excited today about Jesus? Yeah? Well, it's easy to get excited about church, man. I, I love the music this morning. I was like, man, they're sounding so full up there this morning. There's so many sounds coming and it's all together like a beautiful sound, right? The thing about the church today we need to understand is together it's a beautiful sound. That all of us striving in the same direction. If we all commit this year to grow in the grace and majesty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what a wonderful place this is going to be a year from now. We say, well, how, how do you grow? Do we need a we need some type of program to grow? I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you can use a program to grow, right? There's things out there. We Porn we did, you know, who's your one? We did things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just an organization of the advancement of the gospel. It is. But really what we need is for our hearts to be set upon Jesus. Even in Scripture, when we talk about, like, revival, we, we hear the term revival, we think this, that, or the other. But, but when we read about nations needing to be saved, the commandment there is that if people will gather together and pray together, in Jesus' name, then the Lord will hear them, right? And then revival will come. I think what, what needs to happen in this place is that we continue just to grow together. I think as I look at this church, I see a lot of people who just love Jesus. I, I'm never up here working where I don't get to see one of y'all. And I love that, by the way. That's not a bad thing. Please come in my office and talk to me, you know? But I see a lot of people up here who are just working and they just love the Lord. Sundays are, are, are hectic at times because I'm trying to get to everyone. There's not as many here today, so I should get to shake everyone's hand today. So no one will be offended when they leave here today. The preacher shook my hand. The thing that we, we must understand today is that the work of the gospel is important, and we need to value that today. Let's put our faith in him. Let's continue to grow in grace. I don't want to be the same preacher a year from now. Some of you are like, amen, please, please, please don't be the same preacher a year from now. I don't want to be, though. I don't want to be the same guy. A year from now, I want to know more about Jesus. I'm not talking seminary. I'm not talking about knowing the books of the Bible. I'm talking about knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that should be our goal. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is speaking to hearts in this place right now. Lord, we know that salvation is from you and from you alone. God, I pray that if anyone is in this place today, that you have reached down through the work of the Holy Spirit and regenerated their mind for them to see a desire to have you as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to these altars today. If anyone is listening to this sermon at a later date, God, I know that your Holy Spirit can work in that way too. But Father, as the church, we see the game plan. We see the final word from Peter this morning. And it is for us to get up and to grow in you. Father, we have a battle ahead of us as a church. We're battling social changes. We're battling sickness. 
We're battling politics. We're battling uh, people's hearts that are far from you. But Lord, we know that you are a good God and that you are the answer. You are the answer. We know that that we need to be like you and not like the rest of the world, not like other churches. We need to be like you, God. Lord, may we be exceedingly joyful at the thought of you coming back. I pray that your words will go and do what they were intended to do. In your most holy name.